Welcome to I Love You Men, a podcast created for men and boys to have a space where they can share conversations about mental health and other issues pertaining to manhood and our relationships as men to the world. Did you know that almost 85% of South African men suffer from some form of mental health issues without knowing about it? The first season, we will look into issues around mental health, which is a pandemic faced by men in silence, without the platforms to discuss it. Good, how are you? Ah, no, lovely, lovely, lovely. I was actually invited here by you. Well, you can share. We were invited, yeah. Yeah. Um, So I am Watile Pagati. By training, I'm a doctor. Nice, fancy. Because I must tell you. Yes. Um, (laughs) But I haven't been practicing for the last two years. Yeah. I was specializing in orthopedic surgery. Yeah. You know the story, but no, I'm I, getting I, into the details. Yeah, I, I know so, the story, yeah. So I started a orthopedic implant company mm, mm, mm. in about 2017. Yeah. But then in 2019, took some time out. I'm still taking some time out, focusing on the business. But actually, I'll be going back soon to okay. finish off specializing. Nice. Um, and yeah, we're here today just to speak a little bit about ourselves. That's why I'm giving a bit of an intro. Yeah. And uh, yeah, some life things we've been going through. Yeah. Uh, I'm Tislani Mashele. Uh, I mean, you know this. Uh, I'm in the transport industry, engineering specifically. Funny, something cool. Since I started cycling with you, training for 94.7, I got myself into cycling and biking, yeah. you know, and then started a started a crew called Biking Bandits with a few homies and we cycled. It's in, super dope, by yeah, the way. Yeah, we, we cycle in the hood and we cycle um, in Brahm. Man, a lot has happened, you know, especially because of lockdown as mm-hmm. well. So I'm dating this girl, Kifile, mm-hmm. um, the love of my life. And- uh, Hey, Kifile. Yeah, yes, hey, Kifile. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she had been going to therapy. Okay. You know, and then I was like, no, man, you know what? Let me join you because I have been looking for like a black uh, a therapist, you know, because mm-hmm. I felt that's how I could relate very quickly. But now this is during lockdown, around about June. And I was like, you know what? Let me just try this out. I do have some medical aid funds okay. that Oats have in child, <laughs> as in child. <laughs> and I was like, let me, let me hear her out. Or let me just go tell, you know, just, just see where I'm at. And I just got into it. I was like, yo, I'm coming here for like a few things. These are the things I'm coming for. Mm. Like I was very strategic in that. Mm-hmm. But she was like, hold on, homeboy. Uh, that's not how I work. Uh, who are you? And honestly, why are you here? Sure. You know, what, 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 what is it that's, that's, that's Jesus bringing you here? Yeah. And um, I realized it was issues that I actually had from growing up. I mean, you and I, we met through G. Yes, 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 G from... G from Thesis. Thesis, yeah. And I know G from high school. Yes, yes, yes. G and I went to high school together. Yeah, you guys went to uh, Kes. But how I met G in high school, I think he was a grade or two above me. Yeah. He was selling like a MacBook. Yeah. Like he was always trying to sell me a MacBook. But that's how I met G. But I remember like when I first met you, I just felt like... I was actually telling someone this other day that I've got lots of male friends as well as a lot of female friends but like meeting you there was this like sense of no pressure to be like a man's man yes 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 you know we could just i mean from day one when we met we were super honest and open about who we are and where we met yeah but i don't think we've ever spoken about our childhoods 
Yes, not in that. Uh, I, I remember some of the, the the bike rides we would have in yeah. the mornings going to Cradle. Yeah. Because uh, even meeting you on, on on that day, I think it was um, Scou- Winter Sculpture Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we had we had met then. Yeah, it was very fun and whatever. But we never went into our childhoods, and I think mm. it started when we started cycling together. Because it's just, just the two of us. Yeah, it's yeah, just the two, two of us. us yeah. And you're sweating. You find yourself at a place where you have to be really honest with who you are, why you're doing this. Because, and I think that's what some of this training sure, does. Because now it's a, it's 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 something we both share. We, mm-hmm. We've got the same friends. So it's easy to trust as well. Yeah. So, I never felt the pressure to be like this man's man, you know. I mean, yeah. we'd easily embrace each other by hugging. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, there was no, never this like, Facade, yeah. yeah. This, yeah. This, oh no, I can't hug another guy, <laughs> you know. But we could speak yeah. about issues, right? And sure. that's when I think we discovered, okay, we are byproduct of like missing dads of some sort in our lives, mm. um, and that's what brought you to the to, to see this person. This yeah, 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 yeah. To, to see this person, because I was like, no, man, I'm I'm really struggling. With a lot of things in my life, and I don't know what it is, but I have a very strong suspicion. Or it's this part of my life where I didn't have a parent because my my dad passed away when I was like six, about to turn seven, like the next month. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he Sorry got about that. yeah, he got tragically shot in front of us and whatever. So very traumatic, traumatic. experience. Super traumatic. So even when I explained it to my to to my therapist, then she was like, "You have great detail about this day." Which is not normal for a six-year-old uh, going to seven, and mm. I, and and I'm wondering if you're still there. And she obviously starts with this uh, thing to say. So even so, anything I say, like yo, by the way, I've got like, I think I've got like serious anxiety. Like my stomach turns when I have to make a decision, or yeah. I have to do this, I have to do that. It's like yeah, you've been functioning at a very high level with this. Mm. Anxiety and you just not putting your finger on what it is. Yeah, Yeah. and it's not just you; it's you and your immediate family, your mother and your sister. So so I've got a mother and a sister. And then she was like, "Yo, this is yeah, and a daughter, Akani, yes, seven years old." Kind of forget Akani. And she's like, "This is where you guys are finding yourselves. Where you're not really. uh, You basically had to grow up very quickly. You didn't have much of a childhood." You were forced to be a parent at a very young age. You were forced to be. Uh, uh, what do you call it? A husband at a very young age. To your mom. Yeah, to, to my mother. And this is one of the issues we touched on. And I remember I was like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of spoke to Oates about this, yeah. you know. And also, there's so many things that you had to do, not be, not by design or whatever. It's just how, yeah, it's just circumstances that had you there. And it's unfortunate. And we find ourselves in this place where you have to sit across me and tell me these things and divulge pieces of your part of your past and really go into the the, the not so nice parts where you may find yourself tearing up or, or whatever it is you know i was like what i don't know this yeah often we don't know these things yeah because for not that's actually one of the things i love about you yeah is the relationship you have with I've always told you with your sister. Yes, yes, it's Karabu, yeah. And your daughter. Yeah, Akani, yeah. But also Mam Lizo. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so like, You're one of the few guys that I know who have this when I see or think about you, I just think about this positive guy who loves yeah. the woman in his life. Yeah. Even Akani's mom, you guys went together, but you've never said anything negative about her. Yeah. Not to me anyway. Yes, yes. And that's one of the things I'm like, she 
you know, this guy is just so loving and positive. Obviously, mm. I don't know like the backstory of a lot of things, but yeah. that's definitely one of the characteristics that I absolutely love, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's just how... Oh, thanks, Ben. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've told you that. Yeah. <laughs> just, Maybe through text. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is how like super positive you are, even if like you might not be happy about certain things. Yeah. But just the amount of care you have for the people in your life, the women in your lives. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's something that I absolutely love about you. Thanks. But obviously, as the lady was saying, it's probably as a result of yeah. you needing to step up in ways that you might not have wanted to. Yeah, and I think even in me. Having told you at that time, for some weird reason, I, I was like, fuck, I'm going to take my best shot and tell this guy, yeah. whatever. And that's when you also started opening up to me and telling me some of the stuff that you were going through. And I think, I mean, you're a way better person to, to yeah. share that part. You know, do you care to share that? Yeah. Okay, I'll start at the same point that you started in 2020, lockdown. Yeah. So lockdown, I was in New York visiting my now fiancé. Congratulations on that, Thank by you, the way. my brother. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, so I arrived in New York, I think it was the 13th of March. Yeah. And I flew SAA and they cancelled all the flights on about the 18th. So I couldn't come back on SAA. Yeah. But then I'm like, ah, might be a month or two then. Lockdown happened and I don't think any of us imagined what was to come was after to come, yeah. yeah. So I was in this tiny apartment with my then girlfriend. And at that time, we'd only been dating for two months. Sheesh, shoots. Yeah. That's a bit. <laughs> I was rolling the dice. Yeah. But only been dating for like two months. So I went there just to yeah, visit. It was supposed to be a two-week visit. I ended up staying there for eight months. Yeah, I ended up staying there for eight months. And in the first three or four months, I was absolutely good. Like, no issues. I was working remotely throughout the time. Yeah. Yeah, but during lockdown, I slowly started to get anxious. Yeah. I think whenever you know, I'm always a guy who's always on the go. Yeah, always moving. I'm always moving. You like always a, doing you're a nomad, something. actually. Yeah, yeah, I was always moving, always doing something. But in hindsight, that was my way of coping. So lockdown happens and I'm still like yeah. absolutely not doing anything, not going anywhere. This is like for the first time in my life. I mean, yeah. I've always been doing something like school, academics, yeah. run a foundation, yeah. have a business. I'm always involved in stuff. And now I realize that's some way that I was just distracting myself, you know? Yeah. So now you you finally getting to sit with, with myself. These thoughts. Yeah, yeah, my thoughts probably for the first time got super super anxious um, while I was in New York. I think it was about I remember the day August the eighth. Man, yeah, it felt like climbing out my skin. Fuck, like couldn't breathe. Like was not sleeping. And typically, you know, I sleep at like nine, up yeah. at three, and I have yeah. no issues with sleep. But yeah, August the eighth, twenty twenty, sort of just I remember like like a switch. Yeah. And my thoughts are racing. I thought I was like going crazy and stuff, but like like a panic attack or something. Yeah. And yeah, so through that time, we're still in New York. My fiance's family's in Texas, remember I mentioned. Yeah, I remember you said this. Yeah, but New York, I found it very claustrophobic. Like Also, this is at the height of Black Lives Matter, yeah, George Floyd, yeah, 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 yeah. and Donald Trump, where America's against a black child, a 100%. black boy, a black 100%. man. Well, black people. Sorry. And I said I've traveled a bit, but yeah. I've never felt unsafe anywhere. Yeah. The same way I felt unsafe in the US. New York in particular, there's police everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, it was very uncomfortable. So then we go to Texas, there's a bit more space I can run at that time because I didn't have my bike, I was running. Yeah. 
So yeah, that helped a bit, but I still wasn't like feeling well, right? I didn't know what was happening. All I know is that the best way I can describe it to you is my thoughts are racing like all the time. Yeah. And what are these thoughts? So I'll get into that, but so then this is August and I came back in October. Mm -mm. I came back October. And when I came back, I was the same as you. I'm looking for a black therapist. And this is the first time I'm going to therapy. Mind you, we're we at a party now. <laughs> when you're back, we meet at a party. We meet at a party. Because yeah. that was also my way of coping, right? Just yeah. getting out. And this, is, and this was the first time I'm seeing you with your hair grown out. <laughs> it's a new look. I like it. Yeah. yeah. But even in October, I was like, what the hell? Like, Oates never grows his hair out. Yeah, this was... So during lockdown, it grew. Mm-mm-mm. And I was like, okay, I like the look. Yeah. And I'm going to keep it. Yeah. Took me some time. That Even the hair took me some time getting used to. But then I got back. I went to see a therapist and black woman. Yeah. Uh, just helped a bit, but not really. Yeah. Okay. Because what I have is something called OCD. Okay. Obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. 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 But when people think OCD, they think... You're not going to touch anything. Yeah. So they think contamination. There's yeah. like contamination. So you don't want anything dirty. And I'm certainly like a neat person. You've been to my place. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We take I'm, off our shoes at the door. <laughs> I'm certainly like a clean person. But like when with OCD, I've, I don't do like uh, physical behaviors. Okay. So think of it this way. The best I can describe it is... You fixated on this one idea. Yeah. This one idea and you're trying to get certainty. Yeah. So that was the second time actually that it happened. It happened in varsity for the first time. And I that time I'm in med school. I'm having a good time. Like, okay, th- how it happened is my best friend came out to me. Mohola. Okay. I don't think you met him. So Mohola comes out to me. Heard the name though. Yeah, you'll meet him one day. Yeah. So he comes out to me and tells me that he's gay. And this is like my best friend from uh, high school, whatever. And I went to this hyper-masculine school. I mean, it's kids, it's a boys' school. Jocks and stuff, yeah. And that school worked for me, right? I was a jock and whatever. But in any case, so he comes out to me and tells me that he's gay. And for me, yeah, that was very, uh, the first time I think I knew that something was wrong. Mm. I mean, with me now, yeah. like mentally, because I think it, he told me like June or July. And for the next nine months, that's all I could think of, right? Yeah. You don't want to be thinking about this thing, but that's all you can think of. That's the obsession. Yeah. So with OCD is like you have an obsession, but, and you're trying to come to some sort of certainty about whatever something, the topic yeah. is, something. And for me, how I experience it is when things happen in my life, somehow I internalize it as it's happening to me. Yeah, I I did something wrong. Yeah, so with my friend, for the next like nine months or so, and this is coupled with anxiety, right? Yeah. Because you're uncertain about this thing, you become anxious about it. Mm -hmm. So when my friend came out, it was like, oh, so does this mean I'm gay? Yeah. Am I gay? Am I into guys? Am I? Because he's your best friend, you love him. I love this guy, Yeah. yeah. I love this guy and he's, yeah. And I didn't speak to him for, like nine months I think it was and in that nine months I must say that was like a horrible time in my life sure um, did you apologize to him about that oh we great now okay yeah. Um, yeah for nine months we didn't chat 
and it was around the time of my 21st, I remember now, because for my 21st, I traveled to Thailand and went backpacking with some guys. Yeah. But even in that time when it's supposed to be fun and good all times, good yeah. times, that's all I was thinking about. You know, I couldn't be in the present moment. Um, so that's what like OCD is. Like for me, that was the first time I can really pinpoint that something was wrong. Yeah. And I only knew it now, yeah. like last year when my uncle committed suicide. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. So my uncle committed suicide in 2019. Okay. December 2019. You know, I sleep very early. Yeah. And people typically don't call me at night. So this Saturday night, Saturday morning at like 3 a.m. Supposed to go riding that day, actually. Yeah. So I'm thinking it's my alarm. My aunt calls me. She's like, hey, something's happened. Please come through. So then I go through to my aunt's place and my uncle's like hanging in the garage sure so yeah that's this thing at that time i think i just shut down i went into get to some money work mode, in, work you, mode. You that's like my yeah going to like work mode and stuff and yeah that's what i did and yeah, i just didn't want to think about it deal with it so i shelved it this was in yeah, November 2019. Can can I just dip in very quickly? Sure. So I also have a... So my mom's a twin. Yeah. Uh, so my aunt's daughter, she, she committed suicide okay. in 2007. And I think we only realized later, Hori, no man, <laughs> this person was actually depressed. Okay. Because we were thinking, oh my God, how could a 20, 21-year-old think okay. of killing themselves? Sure. Because then, you know, there there was some drug use and then mm. there's also a depression that we never thought of. And even when we, like, traced it back, that's what we found out. Mm. Uh, and the reason why I'm interjecting is to ask, did you, ever, did you guys ever figure out about your uncle if there was any sort of depression? Because, I mean, there's also a, a male in your life who's probably had a big role as well. Yeah, so, so he had, like, a super wealthy guy. Yeah. But wealth is not content in himself. And how I thought he wasn't content in himself was because he'd always have a different woman. You Ooh. know, younger, younger, I want more. Like, And for me, because I've been there, you know, I've been mm. in a place where I felt, I don't know, empty or something. And I got reassured, validated through, through the idea of yeah, through being with like women, right? Yeah. For me, that's what that was. That's how I interpreted that behavior in him. Is like, ah, oh, this guy, there's something in him that he's not happy about. Yeah. And that's his way of dealing or coping. Um, but to, uh, no, we haven't figured anything out. And often you don't, you know, with these kind of situations. So my second episode of OCD was around what trigger warning yeah. around suicide, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think when I was in New York alone in this place, I just was thinking about my uncle, like, hey, man. Why did this guy do this? Yeah. What is he going through? Yeah. And the same with like OCD, it becomes like an obsession, right? This is all I was thinking about like all day, every day, can't really function Yeah. It's like in my mind. And I'm anxious about it because I don't want- You're replaying it. Yeah, I'm replaying it, but I'm also like, shit. So is this something I want to do? Am I like depressed? You know, now for me, like just trying to figure out like, geez, what's this suicide thing about? You never really know, right? Mm. And I think all of us, given the right or the wrong sort of circumstances, we can find ourselves in that place. Yeah. Um, it's taken me a while to even admit that. Yeah. Because OCD, it's 
you want certainty on this one topic where yeah. there is actually no certainty in life, right? Yeah. There's absolutely no certainty. And that's something I'm learning to accept and deal with on a day-to-day. So I was seeing this black therapist here um, and it wasn't really helping because there's a specific type of therapy that's needed for OCD. It's called uh, exposure and response prevention. Mm. So what you do when you have OCD, what people experience like OCD is because this thing makes you anxious, right? Yeah. This one topic, you avoid it at all costs. Okay. So with my, the first time I sort of had it, like with my uh, friend when he came out, I was sort of avoiding sort of gay people. Okay. Because in my mind, if I'm around gay people, then I'm going to be gay. gay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then this time with like suicide and harm, it's like I was avoiding anything that would sort of... Depress. Yeah, anything that would sort of make me sad or mm-hmm. that dealt with like suicide and things because in my mind I thought if I expose myself to those things that's what I'm going to do mm-hmm. right whereas and just with anxiety in general the avoidance is part of the problem yeah you know I'm supposed to face your demons as they say yeah know? so but can we say that it's a very difficult thing ex- uh, especially processing or understanding what anxiety is yeah I mean the uh, because even the way you're putting it, I'm just thinking now, Hori, when you're speaking about avoiding, like, sheesh, I mean, I, the, that's me. Like, just to relate, the story, yeah, yeah. like, just to relate to you. Like, you do find yourself trying to avoid a lot of things, a mm. lot of topics, a lot of truths. Mm. Hell, man, you try to avoid yourself. That's the one. That's the big one, really. And do you know where you start to realize this? So I didn't know that certain exercises like running are one of those things that help you avoid literally being in your body mm-hmm. because when you're running it's the extra, cardio right yeah cardio is yeah. in such a like when people say oh i'm addicted to cardio the minute you start thinking and believing that uh, you must know there's something that you're not dealing with because you're not in your body by the way ocd is like only two percent of the population have it right sure like two percent and say so the average time that someone like uh, takes to get help is eight to nine years and, how long, and, and I mean, you said 21. Yeah, dude. So I was like 21 when I first can really remember. So we could say a good 10 years for you. Like 10 years for me. Sure. To actually know what was happening and how to deal with it. Um, but yeah, so this first therapist I saw wasn't really helping. Uh, I must say that throughout this time, my fiance, uh, yeah, she's been like my pillar of like strength, man. I mean, you can't share her name. I mean, Christina. So, yeah, it was like, I was really struggling, man. Yeah. And I remember the first, the time that I told her that I'm not okay. I don't think I'd ever said that to anyone in my life. Like, But what, so my other thing is, like, what were you scared of about sharing that? Because I, um, I for me, it was, yeah, the pressure of, that I put on myself to be perfect, man. To be this person who's always fine. Yeah. I guess in my mind, I saw myself as the pillow of strength for other people. And I didn't give myself the space to need other people. I, I hinted at it to you, but I yeah, don't think I ever really I, could, I remember back. we texted quite a few and we just, I was like, okay. Yeah, I'd never really got into We just into hope it. you come back alive. That's all we're hoping Yeah. I think now that that brings me to this part as well, like, because obviously now these are trauma. Well, when you read, they say mm. these are actually trauma responses, like not being able to 
share when you've been hurt or feeling mm-hmm. a certain way or, or, or whatever because you want to be perfect, right? You mm-hmm. want to be upright. You want to be there for everybody. Mm-hmm. And now you also don't have boundaries, you know? Because you don't know how to put up those boundaries, right? Yes. And coupled with the OCD, I can imagine now these things are being shoved in your face. And I, I often think about trauma. And we we, we spoke a great it. deal about trauma to say or a trauma stored in the body, mm-hmm, what trauma mm-hmm, is mm-hmm, and what mm-hmm. happens. And I think there's one doctor that we we like talking about. Which is, Mate, yeah, yeah, Dr. Kabo Mate, who's like the specialist on trauma. Yeah. And so I picked him up last year. I figured out. So as much as like you speak of uh, about like your uncle and yourself, like you had found yourself with like, you know, getting validation and, you know, uh, assurance from like women or whatever. Part of the OCD is yeah. seeking reassurance yes, and validation, yes. right? Like part of that's what maintains all of this. Yeah. It's because oh, I'm so uncomfortable with this idea that I'm be like, oh, TT, my boy, do you think I'm gay? Yeah. Or do you think, you know? You know? So that's part of the reassurance. Yeah. Um, but you speak about Kabo uh, Mate and how trauma is stored in the body. I think just my personal story of growing up, I've come to accept that I grew up in a volatile home. Okay. Okay. But why that label? It's so- volatile because, yeah, that's the reality of it. So I've fortunate enough to know both of my parents, and both of them have been in my life. And yeah. They still are, thankfully. Yeah. Um, You're quite fortunate, by the way. Their relationship is dysfunctional, right? Hmm. Um, so growing up, I never really felt safe. Okay. Like the true sense of the word. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't want to upset anyone at home. And that just baseline level of anxiety just being on guard is something I've always grown up with. And again, it's taken my fiance to be like, no, because, so she came back in, which jumping around, she moved to South Africa in November, December and we visited my parents, Mm-mm-mm. right? So there, my parents, my Separate dad's, households. Or, yeah, separate, yeah. but my dad. So my dad's an African man, he has two eyes. Yeah. So two eyes. Well, he's a polygamist, not an African. Oh, he's a polygamist. <laughs> <laughs> he's a polygamist, so he's got two wives. And with my mom, I'm the only child, right? Yeah. So he sort of just comes and goes, and we're supposed to meet him on this one day. So going home, it's always been like anxious because not sure if this man's going to come through and it's going to be like angry. Why has he disappointed you before? Like, has he never not showed up before? Oh, all the time. Oh, shit. And especially like, he's there physically. So another thing is, because I'm there physically. Yeah. Like, it doesn't mean that I'm there for you emotionally, emotionally, financially, all all that other stuff, right? Which which breeds the insecurity now. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so my father's been there like my whole life, but just emotionally unavailable. Yeah. And this is not a dig at him because it's certainly like a lot of stuff that I'm sure he's been through that I don't know about. It's also a lot of black men as well. Yeah, man. I think if you haven't taken the time to deal with you know, your own demons, like you just all of us are just surviving, right? Mm-hmm. So those people who have taken the time to deal with themselves are able to be better versions of themselves and able to give, you know, yeah. more. So he hasn't done that work yet. So we go there. And he doesn't pitch that day. Yeah. But the whole day we're like, oh, is this man coming? Is he not coming? Mm. You know? But you also, so then Christina, when we left, is like, yeah, man, it makes sense. Like, why are you so like, on guard all the time? Yeah. This has been going on like your whole life. So, like, you've literally been forced on edge. On know, edge, like hyper vigilant, like your yeah. whole life, right? Yeah. Um, so, that's my sort of experience of 
when you say trauma, childhood sort of trauma, yeah. is just not being secure. And you know, people don't understand it uh, like that. Like I also never understood it like that. Even when, even when my therapist was explaining to me, no matter how you want to look at it, uh, you need some sort of balance, you know. Uh, obviously, you, you were used to having a father in the house and yeah. a mother. Now the father's missing. Uh, now it's like lopsided, right? And it does breed trauma and other byproducts that come with trauma. Mm. And people don't understand that those very little things, a person not showing up on time, you know, mm. uh, a person not doing what they said they would, or a person, hell man, like simply not embracing you, mm. uh, saying, yo, Oats, you're doing so well. Didi, you're doing so yeah. well. Especially from your parents, right? Yeah, especially, especially from your parents, from yes. Your parents. Because now they're dealing with so many other things. Mm. And now you, it's left to your mom to handle and like talk to you about, but she also doesn't have time because she still has to keep yeah, you alive. She has to, yeah. She yeah. has to fend for herself. <laughs> fend for herself, clothe herself. Yeah. And she's young, by the way. I don't know how what you were doing at age 22, but they were our parents at that age. <laughs> I wasn't having babies. Yeah, <laughs> 32, you know? still no baby. Yeah, and yeah. I keep looking at it every day. I'm like, yo, it's, it's actually quite a lot to expect from another individual. And I can only mm. imagine. So you end up having to deal with everything now to say, oh, yo, okay, so yes, my mom loves me. And um, yes, my mom was there for me and whatever, but she had to deal with so many things as well. Because there is no guidebook to yeah, how to be, uh, to go back to my therapy story. So my therapist wasn't really working. Um, so I found some help online. I got some OCD, like uh, an OCD therapist in the US. Mm. So I actually do remote therapy sessions okay, nice. once a week with a therapist in the US. Nice. And again, found by my, by Christina, my fiance, who yeah. is an American citizen. So I'm like super fortunate in that I'm and able, privileged. privileged, yeah, yeah. super blessed to be able to get help when I need it, right? Yeah. Um, there's so many people, especially in, um, in our context that require mental health assistance. But I went to med school, I've done a psychiatry block and all of this, but in all of that time, I never looked at myself and like, oof. You I'm never looked at stuff. yourself as the patient. No. Yeah. You know, it's been so clinical. So I can only imagine that, and I can again say that some of these things I didn't even know until like this year of me going through things, going through therapy, stopping cycling and running for like the last two or three months yeah. because I realized that that was also something I was doing. It's escapism. As, it's serious yeah. escaping because like, you, you start to realize very quickly, Oh man, yeah. yeah. I'm cycling a bit too fast and my distance are a bit too long. Saturday morning. Okay. Uh, yeah. One man cycling out. Uh, that's an issue. Come on, take it in yourself. Uh, yeah. like, no, night, but you're like, nah, man, why am I actually doing this? Yeah. You see, when you, go, when you get to that part, then you start to realize, that, oh, yeah. I'm not dealing with those things. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that's my sort of therapy story attending online sessions with a specialized OCD, OCD uh, specialist in the US. By the way, don't, don't we have any in South Africa? So I was actually speaking to a friend of mine. Like I said, because it's such a, a small uh, population of yeah. people that have it. And also in South Africa, we don't have a lot of mental health care practitioners to begin with. Mm. So the ones that are there are overwhelmed, not overwhelmed, but they have to deal with so many other things. Yeah, anxiety, okay. just jet lagged. Like, general anxiety and depression. I mean, they say in, 
any one year, about 30% of the population is depressed. Yeah. Or anxious, right? They sort of focus and on And those that. are not the only mental disorders, by the way. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, speaking to my friend who is a psychiatrist and he's like, well, yeah, even in South Africa, there isn't. I know there's one guy out in Cape Town that I've found recently, mm. but he's a single person in Cape Town who specializes in OCD. So um, he's super jam-packed. Yeah, super, and he doesn't do um, video conferencing. conferencing or anything like that. So you have to be there with him there. Just as you're touching on this guy in Cape Town, can we also just say or speak about the expense that comes with, with literally working on like your mental or your psychology or your psychological health? Uh, I don't know about you, but like the sessions can eat up your medical aid. You literally have to ration like, okay, I can't go every week. Yeah. Uh, I can try go once every two weeks mm-hmm. or maybe once a month. But even then, you're still given like an hour with this person to really... <laughs> to, to unpack 30 yeah, years of your unpack, life. Yeah, 30 years of your life and you tell them like, yeah, and I didn't get packed lunch that day. You know, you're still on that <laughs> issue. It's like, yo, dog, I know time it's important, but fuck, time, yeah, yeah. you know? Because I can only imagine like the cost behind this yeah. person yeah, yeah, yeah. in 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 in, uh, in the states, yeah. the cost behind this person that would be in Cape Town that you'd probably have to go fly down and see, mm-hmm. you know. So when I got back, I'm actually just going to invest in myself. Like I was like, look, I don't know if it's going to help or not. Yeah, I'm gonna, just going to do it. But definitely the financial consideration was like right at the top. Yeah, because I'm just on hospital plan, uh, so I was. I think it was about a thousand rand. I don't know how many of us have a spare thousand rand a month. Dog, it's tough. Right, it's really tough, especially yeah. since everything that's happening in the world, you have like a spare thousand rand. And it's also but because I, this thing is not like tangible, right? Yeah, it's not like, and that's something that I was looking for going into it. Yeah. I thought I'll go there and... In a week, I'll be Yeah. But it's not like that. Yeah. Um, it's not like that. And a lot of the work happens outside of that space. But yeah, I'm, I'm a believer in therapy. So one of the things I, I, I found telling my therapist was like, look, if anything, like I, I don't, I have very strong ideas about commitment that are so messed up and I don't just see myself, you know. Can I be honest? Can I say doing, something? Okay. Doing all, of, yeah, yeah. Doing <laughs> all of these things and whatever. And you find yourself literally self-sabotaging relationships where you even going as far as you manipulate, you know, yeah. the, the the so-called lovers in your life. You yeah. uh, you find yourself sometimes cheating on your lovers because you're not feeling enough. You're not feeling like, yeah. or you even doubt, oh my God, this person's only doing this just to do this and this. Mm-hmm. It's it's all in your head. It's because your world is so, it's it's so messed up. The traumas, the whatevers have have gotten to your head so much that you... For you, it's that abandonment, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, it's abandonment. Yes, 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 like yes. yes. You're afraid that this person, you're going to be attached to this person. Yes, and then they're going to leave out of nowhere. Yeah. So so you so you become so scared of abandonment, mm. right? And abandonment is a very serious issue in South Africa. Like, uh, I don't know if I, if I should say I'm lucky or what, but like mine, I can simply say, okay, it's because my dad passed away. As, as hard as that is to But as admit, a country, though, don't forget our parents or grandparents were displaced. Yes. Forcibly removed. Um, there's lots of migrant labor. Yes. Spatial planning. Yeah, you know. So uh, I think Areas Act. So yeah, there's those things I don't think we have 
we actually know what they've done to us. Psychologically, Psychologically they've, right? yo, they've, they've, they've affected to us. To the so family badly. unit, yeah. I don't know yeah. what they've, like how they've devastated like that family unit. Because I'm like you, when growing up, I never wanted to get married myself. Yeah, because... It's not something I saw myself doing. It's not something I aspired to, like, yeah. truth be told. I mean, for the longest time I've known like, you, I'm like, oh, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's like... Girl, <laughs> US, this time, lockdown. I get like one on Renao, he's going to come back with, you know? And even when, when you were like, yo, engaged and I saw oh, yeah. you, yeah. Oh, to the previous girl or now? No, it's Christina. Okay. Yeah, even when you like, I was like, I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you said, "Oh, I've been going to therapy." Then I understood very quickly. Like, oh, okay, cool. yeah. Because quick, because clearly, oh, is, he's making he's making peace with whatever. And abandonment for black people, I think it's been there for the longest time, and we we don't want to come to that. Real, well, not to say we don't want to. I think we do. We just don't have <laughs> the means and funds mm. to go into it because the family unit, as we know. Or, or being told is has been broken up in so many ways where it's it's not your biological parent raising you it's an uncle it's a grandmother it's a this even though uh guys like dr gabo mate speak or no it's better to have that than yeah. nothing else yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, it still yeah. does something to you because you still want it from your biological your dad, parent yeah. you still want it from your mom and dad you mm. still want to hear her I'm not working with the Or you still want them in your life to be there holding your hand and to be displaced or removed like that, whether it be emotionally mm. or physically, it does something to you. And that residue, yo, it's uh it's so painful. It mm. is so painful because as I said earlier, you know, you ruin relationships. You you literally yo, the self-sabotaging I can't begin to to, to explain. But you see, there's something on that that I think as South Africans how we deal with things is we party and we yeah. drink. Yeah. Bugs said we're a we're a nation of drunkards. Yeah. And we laugh at these things, but I'm of the belief that our consumption and how we consume alcohol here mm. is generally just our way of dealing. And as time goes on, that coping mechanism then becomes maladaptive. Then that becomes like the issue. Yeah. Right. But in actual case, it's just a way of someone trying to cope. Something that I'm coming to terms with is that we need each other's people. Yeah. You need community. Like, we need community. I genuinely believe that now, Jorge. All of us need love and support. Yeah. And the nature of life is that we actually depend on each other. Mm -hmm. Like actually depend on each other but you do need to have that sense of security with yourself like you say that self-confidence and that's something we all need a point that we all need to get through working through whatever it is we need to get to. yeah we don't have that thing that brings us together weekly yeah throughout the year like every week imagine if we're coming together the idea of community, I don't, I don't think we've ever understood what community has ever meant to us. Mm -hmm. Because we've seen community as like just this word of, ah, where I live, the people I know, and whatever. Mm -hmm. But community and being intentional with community is maybe the weekly thing, the monthly thing, the bi-weekly thing, bi-monthly thing, or, or whatever it is, where you are bringing like-minded people, or maybe not even like-minded people, but there's a shared activity which 
Or there's something us. that brings us together, right? Yeah, just as, you, yeah, just, together, yeah, yeah. just as you put in it. And, and I think even with the cycling that, that we do on Thursdays and Sundays, yeah. that's what it's brought about. Like, I found guys that I'm calling brothers. I'm like, and these are like younger guys as well. Yeah. Only because of like the things we're sharing and the things they're sharing. And you're like, oh, so I am not so patient. And this person is, you know, mm. showing me something or teaching me something. And then you start to, you know, see a bit of yourself and you're like, look, I know when I was younger and my having issues with, you know, growing up, dog, you know what? Uh, I don't want to introduce therapy like this, but mm. consider maybe mm. seeing a professional mm. around one, two, three issue or whatever. It could be a little bit more serious. I think serious. there's still a lot of stigma around therapy. Yeah, there's, me there was. Yeah, there, there's a lot of stigma around therapy. Introduce therapy to anybody. And that's why, so even Kifila said to me, like, the reason why people don't see therapy the way, I mean, you and I would see it is because of how it's introduced a lot of times. Okay. So a person will come to you with a, yo, uh, my mother just died and, uh, oh my God, I'm seeing this girl. I just made this girl pregnant, another girl pregnant and I'm drinking and whatever. Your next response is not even to understand this person. Dog, go to therapy. So, so you can already see that that person is not attaching it to, oh, this is something I could really do because it introduced to me. So you're not explaining to the person why. Yeah. You, they're telling you their life story and your next response is, go to therapy. And it's also not to say, therapy is the end all and be all because with therapy, it needs you. Yeah, you need to, to do the work uh, too. Yeah, you must do the work you because must do the, work, yeah. the therapist can't say to you, uh, go do that. Yeah. In fact, the therapist can't say that. Yeah. It's, it's you have to do that work. They're simply just giving you tools to life. And you also can't do therapy your whole life. I think a good measure of therapy is a year. <laughs> 12 months. I get it. Get yeah. It. Further that, if you're on a first name basis with your therapist, I, that's a crutch. Mm. You know? So, so I was tempted you know, when you say that. Mm. Again. Uh, so I'm taking a break. Yeah. You have to. But this was actually from my therapist. She's like, okay, you, you're okay, fine, you're yeah. okay. If you don't call me it's next okay. two or three weeks, six months, it's okay. Just, but Did I was tempted. That? No, I, I was tempted to like, hey, I need to see you next week and things. So I was getting to that place. I'm like, oof. My simple parting shot is that I'm thankful for the people in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm realizing that now more than ever, you know, to lean on them for support and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thankful for the privileges I have, you know, to be able to go to therapy and find out, you know, what's going on, whatever. I'm thankful for, like, literally uh, starting to accept myself for who and what I am, you know, uh, because you to be human is to err, right? And mm. there's, there's this stuff that I've done that is not the best and whatever. And I can understand now why those things happened, right? Mm-hmm. And it also means I mustn't stop doing the work because you have to continue doing the work. I know it's like an overused term and whatever, but you don't stop doing working that. on yourself, finding out who you are, you know, and you are presented with so many opportunities, you know, a lot of times. And there's so many, and also there's so many resources out there. I think going to podcasts is one of the ways and I would encourage more and more people to go do that. Uh, At least that's a little bit accessible. Mara, please do see professionals, seek out help and whatever. And thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, my boy. Yeah. My parting shots, I think first is to whoever's struggling and feeling hopeless, 
um, and helpless. I'd say, yeah, to those people, it's not this, whatever situation you're in is not permanent. There's definitely light at the end of the tunnel, even when it doesn't feel like it, like, no matter how dark it is. I seek help, speak to someone, and nothing in life is permanent. Yeah. Like, no situation in life is permanent. And whatever you're going through, if it's a week, a month, a year, 10 years, however long it's going to be, it's not permanent. The nature of life has changed. I am Oatile Pagati. Can't find me on any socials, not LinkedIn, not TikTok, nowhere. That's true. Uh, but if for whatever reason, uh, if you'd like you need to reach out to chat, uh, my email address is o.mdongo at gmail.com. That's oscar.mikedeltaoscar, novembergolfoscar at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Dislani Mashele. Uh, I also, well, I don't have any social media, uh, but you can follow our biking community on uh, Biking Bandits on all social uh, media platforms. And yeah, come through, join me for a ride, and let's hook up there. Thanks. If you need any help, please reach out to the South African Federation for Mental Health, 011-781-1852, or the South African Depression and Anxiety Group, 0800-567-567.